Before we jump into today's conversation, let's take a moment to acknowledge our amazing sponsor, the Academy of Therapy Wisdom. Oh my gosh, we love this platform. They're the place I go now for all my CEUs. Stay tuned for a special offer at the end of the show. Please join us for our next live online workshop, Integrating Mind and Heart, April 3rd through 6th of 2024. This is an experiential, active workshop designed to engage you in brain states that promote relational learning. If you want to get closer, say the things that usually go unspoken and trust each other and yourself to get through the hard moments. This is the workshop for you. Go to whitestmypartner.com to learn more and register. Hey there, it's Rebecca. I wanted to pop in before we get to today's episode to let you know that my fumbly humanness showed up when we were recording this one and I forgot to turn on the right microphone. So if I sound different than I typically do, know that that's why. And, um, Well, we hope that you enjoy the episode. It's a really good one today. Welcome to the Why Doesn't My Partner podcast. I'm Jules. I'm Vicki. And I'm Rebecca. We're your hosts. We're also couples therapists and messy humans bumbling through our own relationships every day. We met through our training and practice of relational life therapy. Between us, we have more than 40 years of experience holding hard relational questions with our clients. We're going to bring those questions here. And together, we're going to take a stab at answering those questions. This podcast is not a substitute for therapy. If something you hear in this episode stirs something deep within you about your relationship, reach out to a couples therapist in your area. We also love to hear your questions. So don't forget to go over to whydoesmypartner.com and leave us a question of your own. Here's today's question. Why doesn't my partner comfort me? What does comfort mean? Right? You know what's crazy? I think it means different things to different people. Yeah. I think it totally does. I don't Mm -hmm. think there's one definition. Mm -hmm. So it could be that somebody's partner is not comforting them in a way that's landing as comfort. Right. That's a possibility. Mm-hmm. 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 Or how are you asking for it? Mm-hmm. Mm. Or are you asking for it? Mm-hmm. Mm. Are we back to mind reading and assuming that you right. know, you're supposed to know what I want? Mm-hmm. So because going I after... asked for it twice in my life. Right. Going, going after what you want is a really essential skill if comfort is what you're after. And it's super vulnerable because when we so want vulnerable. comfort, we're yeah. probably in a space where if the answer is no, it's going to hurt a lot. Hurt. And so we don't usually ask. We just hope that they see us. And if they really saw us, then they really loved us. And if they would really love us, then they would know exactly how to comfort us without us having to tell them. That unfortunately does not actually work. <laughs> I want it to be true though. I'm just saying. Yeah. Right. Right. You know what this has me thinking about? Mm. I mean, as, as, as a parent, right. It has me Mm. thinking about all the times where I'm like misattuned to my kids. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, like one of my kids woke up this morning and really wanted me to make breakfast and wanted me to make it in a certain way and wanted this thing that we didn't actually have in the house and wanted and wanted and wanted. And I just like, couldn't yeah, be that mom that morning <laughs> in your own humanness. Yeah. Like it just, mm-hmm. it, it, it just, 
it literally wasn't possible. Like we ran out of milk. I cannot be the mom who magics milk out of nowhere. <laughs> Are you saying that you do not own a magic wand? I mean, I, I, <laughs> I used to be able to magic milk, but those days are long gone. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> like, those days are over. Yeah. Your, your kids are a little older, yeah. older for that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but but the, the thing is, it's like, you know, like I I found that even in that moment, I was like, oh, why didn't I realize that we needed to have this in the house today? Like, why did I let it run out? Mm-hmm. Right. Like, oh. and so like it's so easy to go into the like something's the matter with me because I can't yeah. meet you in that place. And, mm-hmm. and it mm-hmm. takes a different kind of energy to be like, we just can't, I can't meet you there right now. Like, mm-hmm. that's just, mm-hmm. I can offer you comfort in a lot of other ways. I could offer you a lot of other things. And that's not mm-hmm. the thing that I have for you here. Mm-hmm. And, and so I'm just thinking about like, that's the parent in, in me talking, but I'm also thinking mm-hmm. about how many times relationally in my partnership or in my clients' partnerships, like, do we just find ourselves in a place where like, I don't have that thing to give you that you need right now. Yeah. Like what if we both come in the house and we're at like 20%, yeah. it's been a hard day and Adam's had a hard day and we've now got a gap, right. Between yeah. how much is needed from one or the other of us <laughs> versus how much we can actually have to give. Yeah, and you can't magic the milk. Mm-hmm. Jules, you were, well, I think you both are. You're so in tune. Well, at least in the stories you tell, you're very <laughs> in tune with like the noticing that we're both not there right now. I'm not as good at that. I'm realizing as you're talking that I I expect 100% of him at all times. Mm, yeah. And when we do that, it's not based in reality. No. And it's so not fair to him. I'm going to take back up a little bit. It's really not. And, and then I do go into this internal panic. If he's not at hundred percent of, is it my job to get you back to hundred percent? And oh my God, what are we doing now? And this happened literally three hours ago. Mm-hmm. He had to take the kids to the kid, one of them to soccer. And I just saw the look on his face as he was walking out the door. And I was like, are you okay? And he's not feeling good. And he was honest. He was like, no, I'm not. And I don't deal well with that. You're not allowed to not be feeling good. Right. So wait, what does it mean for you if he doesn't right. feel good? I like, don't what does know. it mean for you if he's not That's, at hundred percent? Well, it, so it's one of two things. It either means it's my job to get him to hundred percent and crap. What if I'm tapped out too, or he's not available to me. And what if I need him now? These are buried pretty mm-hmm. deep too. So it's interesting because I, mm-hmm. I typically I would look at you and go, I have no idea what it means, but that's yeah. what it means. It's one of those two things. Either I have to get you there or what or if I have I, to, now I have to and make up there. the slack. I, yeah. And or, surface or level, wait, there's something important about need too. Like, what if I need you and what you're if not I there need you moment? and you're not there? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I came downstairs and I need you now. You're not allowed to not be present for me. Mm-hmm. My needs come first because I'm four. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So you guys have got me thinking about attachment theory, yeah. which we have yeah, never talked it. about on our podcast. So I want to like drop a little bit of attachment theory for mm-hmm. people and, and let you know too, that I, I want to be nuanced in how we talk about it. Um, so Which probably means this is going to be a longer episode. <laughs> Sorry. Buckle in. 
You're welcome also. Like, <laughs> yeah, because yeah, this, this, <laughs> this is important information. Right. Totally. And, and how up are you guys on attachment theory? I've, I've studied it a ton, 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 but I'm not, not sure. Like, yeah. I'm like, I'm like lukewarm moving into like a little more than beginning, but not quite intermediate. This is great though, because a lot yeah. of people who are listening don't know it at all. And so you guys do mm-hmm. shove the questions yeah. and the doubts, especially because when people start talking about attachment theory, I think they talk about it in this way that feels very certain or confident. And I think sometimes people are afraid to push back a little bit or like, wait, this doesn't totally make sense to me. Sure. Or mm-hmm. so do mm-hmm. that. Okay. Yeah. So here's the basic idea. And one thing I'm going to do is actually just tell you that there are four different categories. Mm-hmm. Well, there's two categories. And then in the, in the second category, there's like three sub ways it shows up. I know this. Yeah. 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 There's secure and there's insecure. Those Correct. are the two categories. Those are the two categories. Yeah. 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 And then okay. insecure, there's just secure. It's secure is just secure. And okay, in exactly. insecure, there are, there are three other kinds of pieces. So one of them is like an anxious, anxious. Attachment. I knew that one. Yeah. Right. And it's also called preoccupied. So it's anxious when you're labeling a child and it's preoccupied when you're talking about an adult. A lot of times people use that language interchangeably. So if you hear anxious or preoccupied, they're talking about the same kind. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. And then there's avoidant or dismissive in adults. So avoidance and dismissive, same, same, either way you can use the language. Why do we change the language for adults? Well, the way it shows up in adults is actually really different. So what they're coding in kids is very particular behaviors upon coming back together with a parent. So, and you might have a different attachment style with different parents and that's where we're going to drop into the nuance. I'm not going to fudge on the nuance. I'm not going to, I'm not one of those people who talks about attachment theory and, well, there's these two categories and you only have one and no. That's Mm -hmm. what I really appreciate Mm -hmm. about the way you talk about it. Cause I I think when we first started talking about this, just in our conversations, it deepened something about my understanding. Like um, mm-hmm. I think a language I've heard you use before, you haven't used it yet on in this conversation, but you talk about this as like pockets or kind of like mm-hmm. moments, right? Like it's, mm-hmm. we're having an, this kind of moment right now. It's not yeah. just that this is who you are and it's a static, mm-hmm. like you don't, mm-hmm. it's not changeable. Right. Exactly. It's one, it's not changeable. And two, it's really unlikely actually that you have one attachment style as a, a grown person. Yeah. So you might have one learning of attachment with one parent and a completely different one with another parent. And then you're going to be able to show up maybe flip-flopping between styles. um, And then, well, let's not get into the weeds yet. Okay. So there's, okay. So, so far the third one, the third one, one. that's, Mm -hmm. that's more disorganized. Right. So that's called disorganized or unresolved. And it was coded that way because the babies, um, when they were looking at them. So this is research that's initially done with um, 18 month, 24 month old kids. So the original, I'm going back to the original research was just looking through something called a strange situation. So what they do, correct. Oh, I thought it was Bowlby. 
Is it Boldy, oh, Boldy too? Boldy talked about attachment as well. And okay. Ainsworth was the one who was the real, like, in charge of this study. Okay. Um, and operationalized so, it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And came up with a method to study it, right? So what they were looking at was, okay, so how do kids separate from parents and how do kids come back to parents? So what they did was they would take a mom usually, because um, this was done back a long time ago. So moms were, yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. So moms were mostly the primary caregivers. That was just what was more common. Um, so the mom would come in, drop the kid off with a, with a research assistant, um, in a room full of toys, uh, leave, uh, be gone for a little while and then come back. And what they were doing was looking at how do the babies well, first they were looking at how did they leave and come back. What they realized was that leaving had nothing to do with attachment at all. It had everything to do with temperament. And some babies have a hard time with parting and some don't, and that's a temperament thing. Um, it was actually upon the reuniting that you would see the evidence of the attachment. And so it was just, how does the baby behave when mom comes back in the morning? Mm -hmm. That was the original piece. And now there are things like the adult attachment interview right. and attachment has been looked at um, across many different cultures all around the world. And so it's, it's super expansive in the research at this point um, on it. What I think is important to understand and, and I don't think gets talked a lot about when people are talking about attachment theory is Atta those attachment experiences are what we learn to expect when the situation is stressful. So when I'm in stress, how does my parent respond? When mm -hmm. they are in stress, how does my parent respond? When we are in stress, how does my parent respond? So can I slow this down for a minute? Mm -hmm. Because if, if I'm thinking of all the conversations we've had, and I'm trying to, to kind of narrow that to the conversations we've had on this podcast. So forgive me if I take other parts of, of learnings and conversations, but if I can think of what our listeners might already be clued into, I'm thinking of, this is the language of the implicit memory system. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just one of the many languages that lives down there. So attachment would be one part of your implicit memory system, just like gravity is another part. And so basically in order to be functional, I have to put the way I see the world into stories and categories into emotional knowings. Mm -hmm. And so it helps me if I know what to expect when in stress, right? And that's going to be different than what I expect when things are cool. And the cool parts is not where the attachment stuff shows up. It's the stress parts mm -hmm. where the attachment stuff shows up. So somebody who has a secure attachment, probably at least a third of the time, everybody take a deep breath if you're a parent, <sighs> <laughs> right? Um, so you don't have to get it right all the time. Only a third of the time and another third of the time, if you could just notice that maybe something went off and acknowledge that, that's plenty to have secure attachment. That's what the research shows. So Ed Tronic is the guy who did this research. He's out of Harvard and it's a third, a third, a third, one third attunement, one third misattunement, one third repair. 
So that leads to secure attachment. So you don't have to get it right all the time, but basically what a secure attached kiddo is experiencing is often when they are in stress, their parent is soothing, comforting, and responsive to them. Or when they're not, they recognize that and maybe name it. (laughs) Now, there are some, for the insecure attachment category, we would just say, oh, the soothing, the comfort, the recognition when I'm in stress is either not present or inconsistent or maybe scary. So those are the three categories. So not there would be avoidant dismissive. Mm-hmm. The parent not being there, you're saying. The parent not being yep. there. So, And this doesn't mean they weren't there physically. Um, no. Most people who have avoidant or dismissive attachment styles as their primary go-to, they don't end up Um, they don't have a lot of uh, neglect or anything like they were Mm -hmm. parented fine, but the emotional stress was not responded to in the home. Usually that was just like a consistent. So they get dismissive of themselves and they get dismissive of of other people's stress when they grow up because they know nobody was going to be there. I just want to tie this back to the original question then. Why doesn't my partner comfort me? It may be that they have a landscape that has quite a lot of avoidant or dismissive attachment threads. Yeah. Right? So I don't think of us as having one attachment style. I think of your attachment, what you know personally about whether people are going to show up for you in stress and how exactly they will or won't is as unique as a fingerprint. And there's, there's the other side of it too, right? Because just like that's unique, like a fingerprint, like that, you Mm -hmm. know, people will show up or not show up. Mm -hmm. There's the other side that that's also the template that taught you how to show up or how not to show up. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So when I go back to this question, I say, well, why doesn't my partner comfort me? Well, it could be that your partner has a little bit more of a landscape inside that has some of that dismissiveness. And so they might not know how to comfort, not have a map for what that might look like. They might um, uh, have a tendency to move away from people when in stress or a tendency to want to be left alone. Like that's kind of the landscape that they know. Um, It could be that um, they, uh, it doesn't occur to them as an option. Like yeah. it's not even a thought. Like, why would it's, you want? Com- I don't understand. It's like not, not a language, <laughs> right? There is no soothing language. Yeah, there's no yeah. right. So if, if you think there's about it, like a language, and like if I if I don't know the language, I can't speak mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Right? I can't. I can't act on it. I can't meet you there. Right. Yeah. Right. And I don't know why this question, as opposed to all of our other ones, I see such curiosity in it. Of rather than like attacking, why won't you just comfort me when I want you to? And again, I don't know what all of our questions are kind of the same, but like mm-hmm. I hear the curiosity piece of yeah. what what is going on for my partner in this moment that mm-hmm. he or she is, doesn't or doesn't want to or can't or whatever. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and the more you can get curious about it, that's such a healthy boundary to use of maybe it's not about me and that he or she doesn't not care about me. It's that my partner doesn't know how, or like you said, she doesn't have the landscape or whatever. This may not be, I'm not worth it. Or he doesn't care. Right. How he may not even know how, or she may not even know how, right. Or they might not even know how. So, so it may be just that. Okay. Now let's look at the anxious preoccupied side and Mm -hmm. consider this question. Well, if someone has more of an anxious or preoccupied attachment style, what probably was happening was inconsistent response to stress. So sometimes the parent would be there and be really soothing and sometimes not. And a lot of times, you know, cause we were really resilient beings, us humans, um, the kiddos trying to figure out how to help parents show up more. And so they get really good at looking totally. <laughs> I love that you just got that. <laughs> That's me to my mom. Totally. totally. Yeah. So this, this one is really good at trying to guess what's happening in the other person <laughs> and try to get them to show up better. <laughs> I love the laugh right now. But- <laughs> I love and hate that you just know all this stuff about me before I say it. <laughs> Vicki, this might sound hard, might be hard to hear, but it's not only about you. <laughs> what do you mean? Because you're right. I mean, like, what do you mean? I mean, like, there's a lot of people out there in the oh, world. Oh, yeah. No, I this think it's funny that Jules included. is always, but the yeah. fact that Jules knew, like when I was like, oh, that's me, Jules was like, hi, welcome to the party. I've known that about you this whole time. <laughs> that's what I mean. Well, wait like, until he starts talking about me. I, I really <laughs> see and hear that you have some of these threads and that's bit. great. Just a little bit. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with it, but let's see it. So let's notice. So you, so you have this mm-hmm. in you. Um, and I've got pockets of dismissive, so I can talk about it from that space. And I've got some pockets of disorganized, so I can talk about it from that space too. I think I have um, pockets of all of them. I We all do. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but okay. So, so let's think about it. If Gabe needed comforting, what would that be like for you? Wonderful. If, if he really needed comforting, oh, that would so- be like awesome. I want him to, to want that from me. Yes. I would hold oh, him. I would yeah. talk to him. I would stroke his hair. I what, what want if, to do what if he? Yeah, totally. And what if he did that for you? Oh, I would love that too. But it's he doesn't, right? Not. <laughs> um, he comforts me in his own way. He does. Yeah. Not like yeah. that. And what kind of comfort does he like? He doesn't like stroking hair and and like holding him and rocking him and things mm, like that. We That's have to back away. He doesn't tell me when he needs comfort. True. So I can't even answer what he, w- I know what, to, like, he likes me rubbing his hair or bald head whatever, <laughs> or the beard, sure. but like, he likes me doing that. He likes back rubs. He likes all of that. I right. just don't know when he needs comfort. Right. So it's like a win thing for you. So it's really hard yeah. for you to guess. Yes. When he might want that. Yes. Yeah. And if he, if, if you need comfort and he's not available, what happens inside for you? Ah, see, my mind goes blank. Um, frustration. Yeah. Usually when we're, when we're in the spectrum, we get pissed off. 
Yeah, I think when I do. somebody doesn't show up there for us a hundred percent. Yeah. And then we kind of freak out. There's a little bit of an anticipation too. So this is another common way it will show up is that we get a little of an anticipation about when I, I don't know when I'm going to need comfort. So you need to be on a hundred percent all the time. Yes. Because it could be that I need comfort in five minutes, but I don't know it yet. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it sounds ridiculous when you say it like that, right? It doesn't but feel ridiculous when I'm living it. Just no, so you know. it doesn't. <laughs> no, but this is the thing, this internal landscape, right? Mm-hmm. And, and something else, by the way, when we're anxiously preoccupied attachment style, when that is really prevalent in our systems, a lot of times we don't notice when people need comfort because there's a lot of preoccupation mm-hmm. in what's going to happen five minutes from now in whether or not you're a hundred percent in how I'm doing and whether or not I need something from you. There's so much thought around that, that it can be hard for us to catch when our partners do need comfort. So for this call, for this caller or the, um, who called this question in, I guess they wrote the question in, they emailed it in. Yeah. So for this question, it could be that you have a partner who's more on the preoccupied or anxious side, in which case they may not be reading your cues very well. Mm -hmm. They may be preoccupied with how regulation is going to happen five minutes from now, and they may miss it. The other pieces is they may want to give comfort in the way that's comfort to them and not in the way that's comfort to you. So that's that's a big thing that's happened in my relationship with my husband. Mm -hmm. So like I have this one way of looking for comfort and that's usually moving towards Mm -hmm. and into some kind of connection And James has this other way of looking for comfort, which is usually pulling away Mm -hmm. and doing it himself. Yeah. Cause he's got a little bit more of that dismissive landscape, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which means he's likely to be dismissive to his own feelings Mm -hmm. and likely to move away when under stress. So think about it like secure when under stress moves towards with request right? Because they just kind of expect people to show up mostly. Right. And if they can't, they expect mm-hmm. them to name it. That's the expectation because that's what they got. And so they go, oh, I'm not okay. Can I have a hug? Right. And if the hug isn't there, they'll go, oh, okay, that's cool. <laughs> Statistically speaking, what part of the population is secure? Well, that's a really funny number. So they tested it back in the seventies. And at that point it was seventy two percent i think but they tested again in 2010 and we're down to 50 percent guys i'm surprised it's that it's high it's not I'm sorry I'm, maybe good. it's the population of therapy that's what i'm 50%, saying no 50 percent. we just don't know yeah. those people I, that's what i was thinking because as, ther- as therapists like that's I am, not the population well no totally but also um i'm i don't have secure attachment so <laughs> That's adorable. I don't have secure attachment. So I don't have any friends who do either. <laughs> I attract, I attract, like attracts like, right? So, so I, I, well, here's what I think is um, uh, we call it an attachment world. In attachment speak, we call it earned secure. So actually at this point, I do operate most of the time like mm. a securely attached person because I've done enough unlearning of the original learning that now, even in automatic moments, I'm not uh, guaranteed, 
but more likely to show up like a secure attached person. Mm -hmm. So it's earned, it's called earned secure. So, okay. So then there's this other one. This one's kind of gnarly. So what happens if when there's stress in the home, it gets scary? What if mom or dad gets scary, like towards Kit? So this would be true in any place where we were looking at physical abuse or Mm -hmm. sexual abuse. Um, That would be part of it. Um, Also, um, it can show up just because the parent gets really scared. So that's a possibility. So if parents move into panic fear, maybe they have a trauma history maybe they had abuse in their history. Mm-hmm. They are not abusing their kids. They're not, but they're showing up super scared. Then that might make it happen, especially if the baby has a little bit more of a sensitive temperament really takes in the environment around them. And then the other way it could show up is because parents get scary around kid or towards each other. And what's going to happen basically is that the kid is going to know stress equals body threat. So this is the question. This is what's so cool. This is why I think it's super, super helpful to think about what we know when we look at our attachment maps is a person who has more on the dismissive side. I know when I'm in stress, I'm all alone is the knowing person who's more in the preoccupied category says, I know I have to manage you for me to be okay. I know I have to manage you for me to be okay, right? That's the general knowing. And, and, sorry, and um, keep in mind when I'm saying these general knowings, whatever uh, way your own subtle mind wants to throw up exactly the right language for you, trust it, it's right. It's better. It's better than my language. I'm just giving you general landscape, right? And then the uh, third insecure attachment category, that's the unresolved or disorganized. That one knows when there's stress, it equals body threat. We're in danger, serious, serious danger. Stress equals danger all the time. And then there's the secure category, which says, um, I know when we're under stress, I can count on people and we can be flexible and adaptive together. That's the knowing. That's why mm-hmm. secure works. So we, it works so well, right? And what drives me a little bit crazy when I hear people talk about attachment theory is they start labeling people. Oh, you're preoccupied. Okay. Like, Vicki, you're not preoccupied. No, no, no. You're a human with lots of different stuff. Right. You do have pockets of learning that's in that category. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, just like we all have pockets of learning that's in every category. Well, yeah, based on what you're saying we have to, because I had a different attachment to my, I mean, even if I just use the word and not the theory, mm-hmm. I let me change the word to a relationship. I had a different relationship to my mom than my dad because we're different people. So there sure. have to be, by definition, different pockets. Tons yeah. of different pockets that and makes different sense. really specific pockets. But mm-hmm. what we, what we want to do when we think about this, like how is this useful to us? Because for me, mm-hmm. none of these theories are even a little bit helpful to me unless I can do something with them. Yeah. What's so the point wh- of it? Mm-hmm. So what's the point of it? So once I know my internal landscape, I know what I'm expecting to happen when under stress And when I know what I'm expecting to happen, when I'm under stress, I can ask 
and met a process with my partner that when under stress, we show up different, kind of opposite, maybe. And in that moment, I will expect bad, but get good. Mm. And I undo the original learning. So this is like, I think, profound and huge and big piece Mm -hmm. right here that you're talking Mm -hmm. about. And I Mm -hmm. think it would be really helpful for our listeners to hear how that could work. Like to do like a walkthrough. Like like let's let's walk through an example. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I'm thinking about um, a moment I expect to get left if I'm under stress. Mm -hmm. And I tell my sweet husband about that, right? We have a meta conversation and we come up with an agreement that when I'm under stress, I could say a Q word. And when he does, when I do that, he looks at me and he says, I know it's freaking scary, but I'm not going anywhere. And in that moment, I got chills just thinking about it just now. In that moment, he, there was an implicit underneath like lower brain expectation of what was going to happen, but that's not what I got. What I got was somebody standing in front of me. Now for me, it cannot be a hug. Uh-uh. That's invasive feeling. I had parents. I, so I had situations that were invasive sometimes. And I also had situations where I got left. So either one is potentially uh, sort of, how do I say that? Yeah. But like, like reaffirming, I think is the word I'm looking for. It's reaffirming the original knowing, but if somebody just stood in front of me, did not leave and and said so overtly, but didn't didn't crowd me either, then that's a recipe for repair for me. Cause you just discounted both of those initial knowings. So that's why it's so, I I think it's so helpful for us to really get curious about it. And luckily we have these categories where, you know what, a lot of behaviors, a lot of ways of seeing this, you have your own unique map, but they kind of fall into these four ways Mm -hmm. of knowing how to respond to stress as humans. What comes up for me is, as you're talking about this and, and you talked about like, here's a moment of repair, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The interesting piece is that you're not necessarily repairing something mm-hmm. that's happened in like in the present or recent history. Mm-hmm. You're mm-hmm. repairing something that's much more historical and goes way back. I'm giving that to my two-year-old. Yeah. In, yeah. Converse, in meta-conversation with your partner, right. where you're creating this recipe Right. For this, this moment. Right. So like comfort. So here's something. So like, um, my partner has some stuff with eyes, with eye contact, um, and having eyes be like burrowing. Um, so if he's in stress and I have a lot of intense eye contact that stresses him out better. If I have super soft eyes. I sit way back. I move my eyes away. That's mm-hmm. way more comforting for him. Then so this if, is all about getting to know yourself. That's what I'm thinking. Yep. 
Yep. And have being yeah. willing to have these meta conversations about it. So if you're brand new to attachment theory, you really want to talk about this with your partner. Um, you know, you could listen to the episode together and that could even spur a conversation. Um, yeah. Where, yeah. And, and, and here's this other piece. Okay. So when you start working on this, with your partner, let's say you decide, oh, I think I would like to have more earned secure attachment in my life. Maybe I have pockets of security, but not everywhere. So we're going to hope that it changes on a dime. Mm -hmm. But these are learnings that happened mm -hmm. over thousands of little teeny tiny mini events all the way from zero to five. You're talking about the subcortical mind. You're talking about lots of different threads that are kind of in us. Think of it like rather than super organized, it's like a wash and a sea of stuff. <laughs> so a lot of times we'll get down on ourselves if our partner doesn't show up right away or it doesn't feel as good as we thought and we'll give up. And it's really important if you do want to shift this, that you have an enormous amount of grace because remember secure attachment is 30%, 30%, 30%, right? Mm -hmm. Third to third to third, 33, 33, 33, right? So 30% showing up well, 30% mm -hmm. not getting it, missing it completely. Boop, gone. I didn't even see ya. And 30% acknowledging okay. something's not going great and trying and sticking in there. I'm like leaning into Ted Lasso, which is one of my favorite shows of all time. <laughs> I, the girls hear me talk about Ted Lasso constantly. Ted Lasso I haven't watched it yet. And I really oh need to. It's so good. We're going to so need he, to do like a Ted Lasso episode in season two. Oh my God. Totally. So, and, and season, season <laughs> two of Ted Lasso is coming out this summer, free advertising for them. So we can, now we can talk all about it. Right. Okay. So he says this brilliant thing that a securely attached person would say, by the way, there's this moment of apology and repair attempt. And he says, you know, I think if two people really care about each other and have a little love in their hearts, there's nothing they can't get through. So it's like, even when, even when you're, it's like fumbly, like, mm -hmm. don't give up. <laughs> you can do this or you can give up for that second, but then come back. Right. Right. I saw those eyes. <laughs> well, yeah. Cause I was thinking about my husband's healthy slash unhealthy timeout this weekend, but that's a whole other totally. <laughs> well, and <laughs> he bumbled through it. He, he bumbled, bumbled through it. And we, and that was great. it was great. And we got a timeout and it was really healthy. So it worked really awesome. well. It was just funny. The way and sometimes bumbling is part of learning though, it right? Is. Like, yeah. Like we can't pick up these new skills yeah. and expect that like, we're just going to like get it and move right into earn secure attachment. Oh mm -hmm. God, no. Earn secure right. takes a while, right? Right. Yeah. It takes right. a while. Mm -hmm. and, and I'm noticing like in a lot of my work with my clients lately, I'm noticing how important that grace is. Mm -hmm. Right. And like what a shift it makes when my people start understanding what that grace means both towards themselves and then towards their loved ones, their partners. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That grace is like, a, it, when, once they start getting that, it's like something unlocks. Yeah. That's a good way to describe it. It unlocks. It's just a different, mm -hmm. it's a different kind of knowing. Yeah. And, um, and even towards the self, a, yeah. right? 
Like mm-hmm. even, even towards the self. It's the lack of judgment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is the thing, right? Is that if you want to work on this, what we do is we get curious, be curious, mm-hmm. not judgmental. I don't think you can be both at the same time. You actually like- physiologically can't. Yeah. <laughs> I love I'm that. totally serious. Yeah. You can't actually, the, the, the brain state that is supported by a particular way your heart is beating, um, in curiosity is opposite of what is in judgment. So you, it, it has to do with heart rate variance and yada, yada, yada. And we don't have time to go into it because I've already been talking a ton, but, but I love that that science is there to back us up. It's I totally do. there to back us up. And I told a, a, I don't even know who a client or a couple yesterday that, I think it was like therapeutically or something, but I said, you know, not grammatically, but therapeutically, the opposite of defensiveness is curiosity. And now I'm realizing that judgment and curiosity are, so I'm going to amend what I Mm -hmm. said. Like, it's not the defensiveness, although that's peace too. I get it. But that Mm -hmm. I like that judgment and curiosity are biological opposites you're saying. Yeah, I'm saying you can't you can't, that your body will not physiologically support That's those simultaneously. So you have to choose. And you know how we react to things is the greatest freedom we have, right? Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I can move into response and be curious if I can be kind to myself and kind to you and have a lot of grace Gosh. like you were talking about mm-hmm. Rebecca. And grace by grace we mean Patience, we mean saying it's okay to not know it or get it right or bumble through it. or And that can be hard mm-hmm. to be able to sit with it's okay to not be perfect at this or to be bumbling through it. That's, well, it depends on what brain state I'm in. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, that's the piece of work though, right? Because mm-hmm. in order to, in order for it to be okay that my partner or I, either way, Mm-hmm. mess up mm-hmm. and don't get something right or mm-hmm. are misattuned mm-hmm. in order for that to be okay I have to be able to see it like oh that's like that happens when we're learning or that is part of the one-third of misattunements that are going to happen or mm-hmm. or if I did it like now I have an opportunity to name it and repair it or you know like like that's the grace is is being open to it and being like yeah you know what I'm not going to be perfect why because I'm an imperfect human because I'm mm-hmm. enough and I matter despite my imperfections and if I if I try to be perfect then I'm trying to be something that I'm not really able to be and I have a really long way to fall yeah. you don't think I can be perfect no, I was agreeing with you. <laughs> okay. I read the face you were making. <laughs> no, that face was total compassion. And that I agreed with you. Like, oh, I like how she phrased that. <laughs> it was not my sarcastic face. Yeah. I have that too. I've right? done that. That's true. I thought but that no. might be it. <laughs> yeah, no, that wasn't it. Jules, I see there's an end coming. There's, there is. So I wanted to leave us with another piece of of like practice that you can take away because Mm. some of us are in a space either in a partnership where we don't actually have a partner who's on board with the meta conversation and we want to shift something Mm -hmm. or you're not in a partnership right now. Um, and that is in the adult world where your attachment stuff is going to show up. It won't show up with your friends as much. It will show up with your partner. (laughs) That's where it shows up. Right. But don't worry because you can still work on it. Um, I love Deb Dana's language around it. It's all about looking for glimmers is what she says. So what we do is you notice, you just 
write down, do a little deep dive into yourself and write down what you think your emotional knowings might be around some of this stuff. Okay. Do I expect to be left alone? Do I expect to uh, need to manage someone else to get them to take care of me? Do I expect to, that danger might occur? Do I expect uh, for people to all of them, just all of them. (laughs) We probably have all of them. Right. Totally. So, so once, once we, we know our landscape, then you want to look for glimmers out there in the world, maybe in interactions with you, or maybe just in interactions you're observing, that it doesn't always have to be the way you expect it. Oh, that's right? not what I expected you to say. Because that's the emotional that's, knowing is that it's always. Mm-hmm. And what we're going to undo is the always. And so you could actually already work on this. So you could even have a little moment where you were stressed out in a store and asked somebody for help and they were kind and helped. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Those disconfirming moments mm-hmm. that often resonate in like a surprise kind of feeling like, oh, that's not what I was expecting. That was not what I was expecting. Or maybe you even see like um, out in the world, you see somebody react with their kid in a really kind way or um, react in a way that's really honest even. So like, mommy, here's your yelling. Mommy cannot have it get you candy right now. (laughs) Right. That's that counts. That's great. Um, right. So we just want to, um, find, pay a little bit more attention, start, uh, start tuning in your attention to when stuff is showing up well in the world around you. And that will help you undo that always. Like I said, that's not where I was expecting you to go with that. So I like that activity. Yeah. 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 So meta process with your partner, ask them what comfort means to them. Tell them what comfort means to you. Go after what you want and look for glimmers, whether you're in a partnership or not. Did I sum it up? Is that it? it That was it. it. We did it. That's all right. Let's wrap it for today. Oh, that was a lot. That was was a lot, guys. Thanks for hanging in all the way to the end. Yeah. Bye-bye. We love our listeners. Take good care. Bye. That wraps up this week's episode. Join us again next week for another Why Does My Partner? We hope that you continue to listen wherever you get your audio and that you'll follow the show. To go deeper, join us at our bootcamp. You'll find the next date at whydoesmypartner.com. Did you know you could ask us your question? Your questions are relational gold. Go to whydoesmypartner.com to either write in or record your question for a future episode. We want to tell you more about our sponsor, Therapy Wisdom. Jules is one of their amazing educators, and you can also find teachers like Janina Fisher, Bessel van der Kolk, Deidre Fay, and Akila Riley Richardson, plus a bunch of people you might not have heard of, but will definitely want to start following once you take their courses. And because you listen to us, the Therapy Wisdom team is offering a secret code to give you free access to one of my one-hour wise conversations. Use the code WDMP at checkout.
If you're a licensed therapist, coach, healer, or someone who's invested in doing the deep work of personal healing and want to learn about topics like neurobiology, supporting trauma healing, incorporating intersectionality and somatic work, then this is the place for you. Discover some of the most heart-led and quality courses available in a community of people who are invested in spiritual growth, equity, inclusion, and developing expert-level clinical skill. Visit therapywisdom.com or click the link in the show notes and use the WDMP discount code. Thanks, Therapy Wisdom. We love you.